0: This is Monsteropolis, a show about legends, anomalies, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Matsky and I am joined by Heather Mosher. Hello. Thank you for joining me.
1: No problemo.
0: That's very nice of you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Not an issue at all. Good. Mm. Good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Well, first off the bat, I think we are going to talk briefly about an <laughs> awesome event that's coming up. In June of 2023.
1: Over a year away, not this June.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. 23. And you know what struck me when we were talking about this before? It's so easy to remember because it's the second and third of 23. Who planned this? What? It's incredible.
1: I think that's what is called synchronicity, even though I don't like that term. You don't? (laughs) No, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a great album. Uh. It's a great album. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, we've got awesome speaker lineup
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that is a squad. Squad members know this. Yes.
1: The rest of you probably do not by the time this comes out. Could a squad just comment exactly what Seth said? I'm not saying it should.
0: Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. Squad members,
1: don't give away your info. Don't give me inside info. Don't do it. No, but yeah, June second, we're having a premiere of a movie, not yet determined, but it will be a premiere, a special premiere at the Camp Palace Theater. Excellent. On Friday, June second, which is the first Friday of Canton, and on June third, we will be having Monster Fest, where we will have amazing speakers. Um, some amazing guests. We will have tons of vendors, including a vendor space known as Artists Alley.
0: No kidding.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that location will be revealed later or by now. I'm not sure when. Right. We're going to say that. but um, It's in Canton. It's in Canton. <laughs> Fly to Canton, okay? Yeah. Drive to Canton. It'll all be within walking distance, hopefully. You'll see the floodlights or whatever they're
0: oh, called. Oh, yeah, cars. right. <laughs> Red carpet. Like,
1: yeah, you know. And will bigger go home.
0: Yeah, Andy will pull up and say the dignity speech from <laughs> "Singing in the Rain." Yeah, it, it's yeah, all yeah. planned out. Yeah, yeah. this well, is so very. It's technical. It
1: is. We're gonna have a vendor space. We're gonna have a space for speakers, and we're gonna have a space for live podcasting, Woo. which will include some podcasts that you all should know well, such as
0: SASS. What mm-hmm. a show about Bigfoot.
1: What I've heard. It's yeah. the refoot, if you will.
0: Yes. Yes. Somebody else said it. That's cool. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, and then others, possibly Monsteropolis, possibly lore. you know, I'm not sure, but yeah. there are some others that are kind of big names. Um
0: not like our little stupid shows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> big names.
1: <laughs> that uh also may be uh recording there and that'll all be released in time but in the meantime please mark your calendars for june 2nd and june 3rd to be in canton ohio and hang out with us and uh also if you wanted to get the on the trail of Ooh, companion yeah. volume one this is this is why this has come to my mind is that <clears throat> hey strangeness aaron deese from hey strangeness found us at Cryptidcon and had us sign his book and he has a lot of amazing signatures in there. We're going to have a ton of the crew. So if you have something, this, or something like it that you want us all to solve a sign, that would be the time to do it. Track us down at Monster Fest.
0: Yeah. Yep. The thing I love about this book is that there are a ton of contributors to it. That's true. You know, the the real idea behind The Companion was to get as many people who participated in it as possible. Mm-hmm. One of the favorite things in this book of mine is Paul Bartholomew's reading list. mm I would just for that alone, I think it would be worthy of your perusal. Yeah. And so also speaking of merch, there's new STM merch available on the website. Yes,
1: yes there is. There is lots of STM merch available, actually. We have water bottles. We have, uh, what are those called? The shirts that, tank tops, thank you. <clears throat> we have hats. We have the shirts with no hoodie. sleeves. Is that the what shirts. you were thinking? <laughs> I was, well, I was going to say the shirts that <laughs> girls usually wear in the summer, but I felt okay. like that wasn't fair. Yeah. Um, we have embroidered patches for those who are squad members. Um, like you said water bottle. There's actually yeah. two versions of water bottles, stainless steel water bottles, which have their own logos on them. But if, and I don't have mine with me today, but um, it's also cool to put like stickers on water bottles. So you could get vinyl stickers from us yes. or your other favorite podcasts or other cryptozoologists and put them on there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we've got hoodies. We've got the three, three-quarter three sleeve yeah. shirt. So if you want to look like a baseball player, uh, get that on. But yeah, so do, do check out our web store and you're going to find a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. And um, we're going to have more. We're going to keep adding more stuff. So keep That's an eye on. Cool. And sign up for our newsletter because some of the new stuff we're going to showcase in the newsletter as mm-hmm. well there's that um it's also important that we say we have a big trip coming up and therefore there will be a little bit of a hiatus on new episodes because we're going to be flying to alaska to film on the trail of bigfoot the last frontier and as such our showrunner Will be with us in Alaska and probably not within internet service (laughs) range. (laughs) So there will be um, two to three weeks, probably three weeks. This will probably be the last episode of May. This will be the last episode of May. So I hope you like it.
0: Yeah. Dip back Um, into the catalog. Yeah. There's a lot that's there. (laughs) That's true. Stuff I've forgotten that we did, like (laughs) showing up on the sidebar. Like, oh, we talked about that. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. vaguely right
1: so, so there's, there's
0: there's ways to handle it you yeah know?
1: we've got a lot of content and you know what if you're um really looking for something join the squad and you yeah. can get all kinds of behind the scenes stuff you can get squad cast um in these shows in extended format mm-hmm. so yeah do that while we're gone and we'll have all kinds of new stuff whenever we get back
0: fantastic yeah well, it's a classic mailbag episode today, and we've had people check in with us with through a variety of means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think one place that we can begin is uh, this is f- <laughs> from a reaction to episode one fifty nine. Okay. I think this is where we will start. Mm-hmm. Hello, Seth, Mark, Heather, and or Andy. <laughs> I like that, and or Andy. <laughs> Poetry. Just thought I'd let you all know that I have a bit of a fright today while listening to episode 159. There are sirens in the background of that episode at one point. Mm. I happened to be driving and speeding at the time and I thought for sure <laughs> I was being pulled over. Thanks for the great content. Mm. Your listener Andrew Smith.
1: Andrew. First of all, what are you doing speeding? <laughs> Just kidding. We all do it. But that's hilarious. Yeah, we do get some fun sounds in the background where we're recording, whether it's sirens or every, is it every hour or is it every like half hour or 15 minutes? I can't even tell anymore. I just tune it out where they the, the clock yeah, sings songs. Right, right. So you may hear that too. Especially
0: but. now that we're on this side of the building again <sighs> and adjacent to Main Street, Wadsworth. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Through the old microphone.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, thanks, Andrew. I really, uh, (laughs) it's a little slice of life there. And I just, just, you know, being someone who looks at texts, that last sentence, thanks for the great content, could be read as a sincere compliment (laughs) or sort of a sarcastic, like, thanks for almost giving me a heart attack. And I'm not sure which way to read it.
1: Andrew meant it sincerely. Yeah. That's what
0: I would say. By the way, I think we should, at this point, just say very quickly, um, Braxton County, West Virginia, mm-hmm. go, if you have not made it down to Braxton County. Wait, they're not paying us to say I know. Uh, but but i love just, them this much. I am moved by his letter to say, Yeah. go to Sutton. We only mention it when he pays us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's why you're and or. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, we've talked before how it's like a second home almost. Yeah. The amount of time that we've spent down there.
0: Yeah, a big supporter of Mm -hmm. us just in general. So shout out to Andrew Smith and all the good folks of Sutton, West Virginia. Yes.
1: Oh, and did you know that this is just off completely, well, not completely off topic, thing but Alexander Petakoff adopted a kitten from the Flatwoods Museum.
0: No kidding. And he named it Braxy. Are you serious?
1: I'm very serious. And it's so cute.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Um I just wanted to throw that out there because of course there's Braxy cat that's at the museum. Uh-huh. Or at least was. I don't know if Braxy cat's still there. But yeah, there was a cat there and um the last time that Alex was in the area um he Took a kitten home. Wow. And the kitty's name is Braxy. And anybody who follows me would know that I love kitties. So <laughs> I'm always checking in on the cat.
0: So <laughs> I'm having flashbacks of the Olympic trip where he adopted a dog for a while. Oh, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What?
1: But they didn't bring it home.
0: No, it. it they figured out that the dog kind of has a game that he runs. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just the latest installment. <laughs> That's but he hilarious. was, you really, they cared for that little guy.
1: Aww. For, yeah. Yeah. This is Braxy. Look at the kitten. Oh my goodness, Braxy. <laughs>
0: There's Braxy. Oh no. That's too cute.
1: Braxy with the uh, lantern.
0: Yeah. Too cute.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway. All
0: right. All right. So you said <laughs> you found some questions. That had been posted.
1: Yeah, so I went to our YouTube comments. Yeah. um, Which I hardly ever peruse. Sifted through the... Uh, Sifted through, um, and there was a question that I thought I'm going to edit it because of some of the language and stuff. But there was a serious question. Wow. Serious question. Um, Does it matter how much noise you guys make in the woods when looking for Sasquatch? Every episode I see... People are making more noise than a bulldozer going through those woods. Mm. It seems to me quiet as a mouse, an upwind of your quarry is the way to go. Um, is there a way to still be successful? Mm. Essentially, I'm just summarizing. Um, so there's a couple things here. One, when we're filming something, <laughs> there's going to be a certain amount of people involved because you have to have people that are holding the cameras, you have to have the investigators, unless the investigator themselves is holding the camera. But still, there's going to be a certain amount of noise involved. But I think that there's still something to be said that we have had experiences, even with people with lights and Mm -hmm. sounds and things. We have gotten sounds back. Um, Is it possible to maybe have more... um, more activity if you're quiet and you're just out there without a camera? Yeah, probably, but then it's not documented. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's different schools of thought, and I guess it matters what your objective is. Yeah. You know, at one school of thought very much would be that there's a huge number of reports that have been documented having to do with hunters right. who are in blinds or up in stands, mm-hmm. and uh, they may or may not be noticed by the creature and it wanders into their sight or it lets them know that they know that they're there Mm -hmm. so if you if your goal is just to see something right that would seem to be a pretty good method uh, as far as percentage goes Mm -hmm. bring up the olympic project oh yeah yeah right well that's that's the that's one of the schools of thought. Is the the blind. Yeah. Uh, the other is, and we get this from the Olympic Project that Andy <laughs> mentioned, and other sort of West Coast Bigfooters. I hear this from them a lot. Is that just go and camp. Yeah. You know, and and build your fire, mm-hmm. do stuff that you any camper would typically do, and all of that involves sound. I mean. It's, play music, whatever, and that would function as a way of attracting attention. And if there's a Bigfoot out there in the woods and it's interested in what you're doing, it's going to creep up and kind of observe you. And there's a whole other body of documented cases where that's exactly what's happened.
1: Yeah, it's curiosity.
0: Yeah, people weren't even going camping to see a Bigfoot. Right. But they did because they Mm -hmm. were out where sasquatch are in the woods so uh, making a lot of noise does not necessarily mean you're going to um you know frustrate a bigfoot or chase it away Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: in fact in various parts of the country it's probably a good idea to make as much noise as you can because you don't want to stumble across a bear (laughs) a mountain lion i mean that a nice cat where you where you all are going in Alaska, yeah. you want to make noise. Oh
1: yes, definitely. Because
0: the last thing you want to do is surprise or a bear. Grisly. That would not be well for anyone. So nope. so yeah, I mean I understand, I guess, the thrust of the question, but that I don't think necessarily I mean, certainly if a Bigfoot is there and you're making a lot of noise, it's going to go to a location where it thinks it has the advantage or the least, least, or if it wants to be seen, it'll be seen. Sure. So I think there's more, I don't know, it has more choices there's, than you might think at first.
1: Yeah, there's another aspect to this too that I think we kind of touched upon in one of the Bigfoot Project episodes is that, like I think the very first one where there's all kinds of stuff happening, that if it were a juvenile Sasquatch, a younger Sasquatch, that they're going to be curious and want to play mm-hmm. <laughs> to a certain extent, see how close they can get. Mm-hmm. And in that comes, you're making noise, they're making noise back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is just completely entertaining the thought that they're real and a physical creature and, and whatnot. Children in general are curious. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that um, the more noise you make, or if you have children there in general, like in which we had actually in that episode, we had all three kids there. I think that they would be curious themselves. Um, so I don't think that noise is going to negate everything necessarily, um, depending on how you look at things. But yeah, if if you are in the school of thought that you need to be quiet, like hunters, mm-hmm. and they just happen to wander across, um, odds are you're not going to be recording it for a show. Anyway, mm-hmm. unless you happen to have something just like a trail cam, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to think about, yeah. though. I, I just just, the more that I do this, the more I feel personally like there's nothing you can do to enhance your chances of seeing one <laughs> of these things. Yeah. You either are or you're not. Mm-hmm. You 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 give yourself a better chance of seeing one if you're in a wooded area.
1: That's true. As some commenters have also suggested, the fact that we are here talking to you, we're not seeing a Sasquatch right now. Correct. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We are also not trying to right now. But if we were out in the woods, we would increase our chances of seeing any wildlife.
0: Correct. Yep. Yeah. All right.
1: Do you have any uh, things that came in the mail,
0: perhaps? Yeah, I do. I have... uh, short question that sort of deserves a longer answer than we can give it right here, but I will deal with it a little bit. Uh, this says, hello, I was just wondering if Mark Matsky has read The Unseen Realm or Demons by Michael Heiser. If he has, what is the connection, if any, to Fortiana? And that's from Jacob. Well, Jacob, I have read The Unseen Realm. I have not read Demons. But Michael Heiser is uh, is an author. Uh, he, unfortunately, I think he's in ill health at this point, uh, but when he was doing better, he would appear on Coast to Coast AM fairly frequently to talk about um, largely Old Testament texts, but Old Testament and New Testament texts in light of unexplained phenomena. And what Heiser does in the unseen realm is he basically walks you through the story of the Bible, making the case that on every page, what you have is by any reasonable definition, supernatural, which I jibe with, you know, I I find that completely satisfying. And he goes in, you know, on all manner of things having to do with um, the history of Israel and in particular the Nephilim giants and tracing the lineage of giants or at least large people in the ancient Middle East using a lot of the genealogies that are in the Old Testament. And what I respect about Heiser is that he's very much tuned into, he has, I don't know what, many, what kind of master's degrees in ancient languages he has, but he has them. So he's able to navigate those original texts,
1: which is important
0: very deftly, yes, and um his conclusions are based on the texts, which is very rare mm-hmm. and unusual in that I think he's a Christian theologian first with a very open mind to all of these subjects and topics, but he's not importing. A story into the text he's just saying based on what the languages tell us what are these texts saying what claims are they making about were there giants how about how big were they how long were they around for mm-hmm. and he's able to produce answers based on the texts themselves and factual information that we know about the geography of the land and where bound we bound, bound where boundaries were drawn, you know, in those ancient places. So all that is to say what the connection to Fortiana might be. Well, I think in a very, in broad strokes, you know, Heiser is saying, look, as the, the title of the book suggests, there is an unseen realm that most of us cannot see or sense, mm-hmm. but that is very real and that from time to time has a direct effect on historical events, people, what they do, what happens to them. And he ties that all together in a way that I um, I truly do appreciate because I think from a from a biblical theology scholarly standpoint, he's crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and not saying, here's this cool idea, and I'm going to see if it fits in. Right. He's saying, I'm going to deal with the text and look. Look at what it supports. Mm-hmm. It supports... You know, across the board, almost a lot of the things that we talk about on Monsteropolis and, and all the places that we go, that there were, um, there's more to our, our world history than we might think at first blush, and that the Bible records some of that for us.
1: So I'm curious, looking at the original text, what are the descriptions of the giants?
0: Well, the... He makes the claim. I mean, there's two two places that you typically go, scripturally, in talking about that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, he he says in his writing, and I believe that to be true, that the only place where there's a measurement involved anywhere is in reference to Goliath. Okay. And depending on how you define the the measurement unit that's mentioned there, Goliath could have been anywhere between like close to seven feet to nine feet, nine inches. So that's Goliath anyway. Yeah. When Joshua is tasked with going, creeping into the promised land to scout it out and see who's in there that we have to extract before we can go in, Mm -hmm. the spies come back and say, we were like grasshoppers to them. Now that might be, of course, figurative language. Sure. But just on the off chance that it wasn't a turn of phrase, mm-hmm. then, of course, that changes it from <laughs> a nine-foot individual to something much larger.
1: Significantly, yeah.
0: And I think Heiser's point is uh, he's not going to be dogmatic about how tall were they. Mm-hmm. But when you take that information that's in Scripture plus archaeologically what's been found, and yeah. we've just done a couple shows about <laughs> archaeologically what's been found, right. that you're talking conservatively about beings that could be anywhere from 9 to 12 yeah. feet tall easily mm-hmm. easily and that this what what scripture suggests is that uh, their size could have something to do with not simply a natural origin
1: mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned going back to the original, language Mm -hmm. to find this out because this is something as a classics professor that i have my students go over so for example everybody knows pandora's box pandora's box was not a box it was a jar in the original greek it was pithos which is like a jar that contained things necessary for life Mm -hmm. Um, which then when you look into the myth of pandora changes things substantially when she opens the box or the jar, of th- jar really, that held these essentials for life, everything escapes except hope remains within the jar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just this box that opens up and all these evil things yeah. come out. There's something still remaining in it. But pithos can also be used to mean like the womb. And so the idea that hope remains within the jar, within the womb, what does that mean? You go into deeper things. But these are things that you would miss if you didn't look into the original mm-hmm. language because as time went on, I mean, you have the scribes that are writing things down. They make mistakes. There are errors. Um, And then sometimes we actually don't have words that are the same Mm -hmm. in English as the ancient languages. And so we do our best equivalent, which isn't quite the same. And we kind of lose a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. So it's important. I mean, this is why this is just side talk of why the ancient (laughs) languages are important to um, to keep without letting them die off completely. Because it, it actually, it really can impact these stories. Yeah.
0: Even things like verb tense. Mm, oh, yeah. You know, which um, yes. <laughs> is hard to describe in the Greek, for example, mm-hmm. that there there are more verb tenses in Greek than there are English.
1: Same with Latin, yeah. Yeah.
0: and they, It's um, absurd. Yeah. So you're really, it's not, you're stretching your mind to try to think like another culture mm-hmm. when you're using, you know, the languages in that way.
1: Yeah. um andy also sent us a lengthy
0: oh yes he did
1: a lengthy uh which this goes back to our previous episode where i said if you leave a letter in the comments this will count (laughs) (laughs) this was from one of the comments on our youtube videos and what was that about because i do not
0: oh okay i can grab that There's actually...
1: um, I have BraxyCat on mine. Yeah, BraxyCat. Is what is on my phone right now. Okay.
0: This is the comment. Uh, Actually really like the fireside sort of banter in the roundtable discussion.
1: One for banter. Yeah. Yay.
0: Ron has already won me over. (laughs) All right. Being a Christian, I don't believe monotheism was an outgrowth of pantheism. I'm aware of the idea that cave paintings were supposedly... The first depiction of quote-unquote gods, but much like Graham Hancock, I believe these cave people were a people in the twilight of a lost high civilization rather than in the dawn of one. The idea of the one true god predated Sumer. Anyway, I know this isn't the format to try to convert people, not enough time. My main point is I believe a lot of these creatures, satyr, centaur, mermaid, sasquatch, trolls, giants, are in fact the offspring of fallen angels. In secular terms, it's more palatable to call them, quote-unquote, aliens, which even Jacques Vallée, John Keel, and others claim these beings are indistinguishable from the demons and devils of the past. We have just retreaded them with new names. A few—see, this is why I'm glad that you are here, because here we get into your wheelhouse. (laughs) A few examples. Pan was the son of Zeus and a woman or nymph, or possibly Apollo or Hermes. The centaurs were created in a cloud by Zeus— there's Hercules, the son of Zeus, and a woman, on and on. Hercules was said to be so virile, he impregnated a hundred women in one night. Gilgamesh also had the same super virility. The fallen angels that are synonymous with the ancient gods, numerous verses in scripture, make that connection. Jesus flatly states that Baal of the Canaanites is Satan. Apollo is also mentioned in Revelation as a fallen angel. Also were attracted to mortal women, bred with them and produced giants, Nephilim, Anakim, Rephaim, etc., and mighty men, Hercules, Achilles, Perseus, Jason, Ajax. One last fascinating myth that seems to connect with gods and angels, mixing with women to creating Sasquatch, comes from the Central American Indians and the Hindus of India. Hanuman, the mighty monkey man, King Kong, remember his attraction to women, was the son of a Hindu god and a mortal woman. The Central Americans also have a monkey god that had quote-unquote relations with numerous Indian women. The offspring was a powerful big monkey man that ran off wild into the jungle. They have just in the last few years found the city and temple of this monkey god, I think in Guatemala. This sounds so much like Sasquatch. It's hard to imagine all these different cultures separated by thousands of miles simultaneously just happening to come up with the same stories over and over again. The flood, quote-unquote, myths, the building of the ark, first man and woman, the serpent that gives knowledge, the giants, the gods breeding with mortal women. There's also a very well-documented goat-man-satyr situation near Fort Worth, Texas, on an island in the middle of a lake. Many witnesses to this. Thanks for the great info and the agreeable format. And that, again, is from Ron.
1: I'm going to have to look up this Fort Worth satyr thing because I've not heard of it. So there's a lot there.
0: There is a lot. <laughs> there
1: is a ton there. Um first of all, what was the part about Apollo? Oh. Um because there was something specifically about that that crossed my mind whenever
0: Apollo, Apollo Okay. Yeah, Apollo is also mentioned in Revelation as a fallen angel.
1: So here's something that's interesting about Apollo. Apollo is one of the few gods who is able to traverse the the heavens, earth, and the underworld. There were only a few of the gods that could actually do that. And Apollo was one of them. Hecate was another one. But I think that's interesting that that would be considered as one of the fallen angels if he was actually mm-hmm. moving from one plane mm. to another. I wasn't aware of that. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, strictly speaking, the name in Revelation is Apollyon. Mm, so it's... It may not. I mean, there's they're close enough that it makes you wonder i mean they're related name wise but yeah I just well, there's a root to it yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. same yeah yeah exactly interesting i'll have to look into that mhm
1: um but then as far as some of these other things like i there's a lot there's, there's so uh,
0: there so many assumptions that i kind of i
1: lose track yeah, yeah. there angels and demons yes i can but totally Asian alien
0: type stuff
1: yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> so I can hard. totally understand the idea of having um, these stories from ancient cultures that we kind of recycle and put new names on that we can digest in current terms. And then, if that is, I guess, alien to some people, whatever, it may be just an easier term for us versus whatever ancient term was. was but. I don't know that the um, I need to just read that myself again. Because (laughs) there was a lot there that as he was saying it, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I understand what you're saying, but to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm looking that up. Monsteropolis.
0: Yeah, that is. Well, I think one thing I'll comment on is that as we were talking about Mike Heiser before Mm -hmm. and the Unseen Realm, That is something that he addresses pretty directly is that whole section of Genesis 6, which goes by pretty quickly when you're just reading it. But it's the whole idea of the sons of God and the daughters of men. Mm. And depending on how you interpret that um, either sets the stage for the whole concept of fallen angels um, creating beings with human women or, you know, in some cases where various interpreters stop short of doing that, they'll say, well, the sons of the sons of God in this case were just mighty men. You know, right. heroes, if you will.
1: Right. Well, in, in Greek mythology or Roman mythology, if you have some, someone like Hercules, he was the son of a god and a regular mm-hmm. person, which is why he was cursed to do the 12 labors to begin with, is because Juno was... Upset or Hera, if you will, if you guys want to get picky about it, um, was upset that he was even created to begin with. But we had Zeus or Jupiter as the main deity at the time. Not that it wasn't like a pantheon of sorts, but he was the main guy um, having relations with mortal women. And then his wife is, of course, upset about this. Mm-hmm. And so all, not all of them, but some of them are cursed in certain ways. And Hercules would be one of them. Um, I don't know if that, like, I don't know what you would call the offspring of somebody like Hercules, though, because he's, he's a hero or like Achilles is a hero. Um, I don't know what you would call their kids necessarily
0: like, mm-hmm. Too
1: removed from a God. What that is Does that count as a hero or like a fourth, fourth of a hero. Sure. I don't know. Heroic. You're, you have heroic, you're heroic. qualities. <laughs> you got some of those qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so much packed into those. I mean, each one of the the statements is like it represents a ton of research and scholarship yeah, to deal with responsibly.
1: And with when you get to the different deities and the different demigods and the heroes and so on, it depends on what author you look at as to how that came about. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody like Pan, there's multiple stories of how Pan was created. There's not one set in stone. Like lineage yeah. for for some of these deities, That's, right? I mean, if you're looking at Hesiod, it's one way; if it's Homer, it's another. Um, mm-hmm. It just depends. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can kind of mold it to fit
0: however you want mm-hmm. to,
1: for your argument.
0: I yeah, suppose. the thing I I appreciate about Heiser is that he he takes he says, okay, there's some biblical scholars who say it it can only just be mighty men and right. women, right? And that keep it on the natural plane, but he also says but you you really cannot say that it's out of the realm of possibility that there could be some sort of supernatural origin of a different species of people. It just it's because there's nothing in scripture that would disqualify that from happening. Mm-hmm. And there are other miracle births that are even more miraculous if you stop to think about it than that. So I just uh, what I appreciate about Heiser is he says he's developing all of his arguments based on the the internal world of Scripture first of all. Right. and saying is there anything in here that would render that as just complete tomfoolery? And he says there's really not.
1: Right, and and I think that it's important what this commenter brought up is that like when they brought up the flood myths, the deluge myths, um, those are all over. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. what. Uh, what religion um, or what time period, those exist, period. Which then makes me think there must have been something (laughs) that occurred if um, everybody was clinging to this story. The Mm -hmm. same with um, a deity or the son of a deity that was ripped apart into pieces and then resurrected. Like something was there. There are kernels of something Mm -hmm. that is consistent.
0: Um, and included in that, and he makes the point in that comment, hairy wild men that are yeah. big.
1: Right. That's Indo- in Gilgamesh. Yeah. <laughs> like the oldest scripture, or the oldest scripture, the oldest writing that we have, Yeah, you have a, a, a wild man. So to me, and this is part of the reason that I love folklore so much, is that when you start to look into these things, it, it kind of gives us a little bit of insight as to us as humans, as to what we like like things that make us really dig into who we are um, and, and why and these questions that have plagued us since we had thought. Uh,
0: that's, it, that's it. Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> that's the exclamation point on the yeah. end of this episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, but if you have further thoughts on that, we invite you to join in the conversation. Drop us a line at monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Um, be like Ron and write your comment right below That's what right. you're watching right now. Um, it will count. It, it totally <laughs> counts. We love that. Thank you for interacting with us in that way. And uh, once again, just real quickly, want to mention for about three weeks we'll be off. Um, this is the last episode for May. But uh, thanks for watching, and we'll catch up with you upon return. Bye, Bye now.